minds that we might understand. Touch our ears that a stranger's voice we will not hearken unto, only the voice of our Father. Touch our hands that we can perform, our hearts that we can receive, and our feet that we can walk it out. It's in Christ's name we pray. Every saint that agrees said amen. 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 Y'all is hyped today. You bring it back, walk it out, you must really. That's so old, I know that. That was back in the day. Kayla had to teach her how to do that. I remember, I remember. So this year, we're at the year of reformation. Um, as a theme for this year, all year we've been looking at how God wants to shape us and change us back to his original design uh, and formation. Individually, we recognize that we can be misshaped throughout life, that problems can happen, situations arise, loss, grief like in my family, financial problems, divorce, breakups, all types of things, sicknesses, they can happen. And when you get a lot of those things that happen, sometimes our decisions within those things are not the best. Sometimes our hearts are not the best. Sometimes our actions are not the best. And even the elect get a little weary. We get a little bombarded by the waves that are crashing in on our lives. And it is the Father's pleasure and delight that he could, we could always come back to him like clay to a potter's hand. That we can always say, God, reform me and make me. Now, this is challenging for us because most often we get a little bit prideful. We think that our knowledge of scripture, our understanding of the word, how much we go to church, how much we serve, what we give in tithes and offerings, that this should be enough for us not to necessarily need to be reformed. Like we don't necessarily have to go back to the potter's house because we think in ourselves that in ourselves we could make ourselves better. Even believers think that. Times to come to the altar. I, I know, I know what I need to do. Oh, do you? Do you know what you need to do? And if you did know, could you do it, okay? Could you do it? But humility, like a child in need, in desperate need and vulnerable, is the type of faith that Christ says we come to him with. A child that skins their knee should not be like, well, let me just suck it up and take it. They should be like, mama, daddy, ah! All right? And if you made your kid feel like they can't cry and run to you when they hurt, something is wrong with you. It's not right. Just because your parents did, don't mean it's right. Do you understand? Because what you're really doing is you're destroying their relationship with God. You're telling them that when they're hurt, even if it is their fault, that they can't run to him. Right? That somehow they're supposed to figure it out themselves and handle it themselves. And, and then you told them over and over again that it's, it's just not that bad and it's not that serious. Do you understand? And some of y'all put this in young men and young girls too soon. There's a proper way to teach emotional restraint and control. And there's an improper way. And at those young ages, some of us have developed very hard relationships with God because we feel like it's our responsibility, since we know better, to actually do better. Rather than come to him like a kid and be like, I don't even know how I did this, okay? I, th- I, know, I thought I knew better, but apparently I didn't, and I did it anyway. So Lord, if you don't help me, I cannot be helped. Versus thinking, next time I'm going to call this person, and next time I'm going to do that, and next time I'm not even going to do that. And sometimes y'all come up with the craziest ideas. Stuff that ain't even reasonable. You know, from now on, I'm not even going to eat cereal. Yeah, I'm going to, cereal, I'm going to pass by. I'm going to rebuke it in Jesus' name. Cereal, you're going to rebuke cereal. That's what I'm going to do. 
You're like, for the rest of my life, no more cereal. This is really supposed to stop you from eating sugar. No, no, no. There's a whole bunch of other stuff besides sugar, besides cereal. So today, uh, last week we looked at Reformation through a broken heart. Woo! Tough. 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 We looked at how God purposed and seeks out those that have been rejected. How he likes it, not in a, in a, in a, I enjoy watching your pain, but I don't mind if your heart breaks into a million pieces and you come to me so I can put it back together. He recognizes that when your will is finally broken is when you really have something to offer to him. Until your will is broken, you're only offering to him what you already keeping for yourself, which is technically it's a mix up between your will and his will. But anytime your spirit, according to the Psalms, has been broken, a broken in a heart and a contrite spirit, the Lord will in no wise reject. Anytime your spirit has been broken, you go, well, what's the point of life? Well, I'm not here. What's the point of doing any of this? I'm also just go out and just do crazy stuff. Or, or you think this in your head and, and this is a sign that you have had a broken will. Yeah. Or even the basic desire to live has escaped you. Yeah. This is the type of heart that God says, now come to me with that. Rather than be ashamed of it, rather than feel like I shouldn't feel like that and I should know better, he says, no, just come to me with all those pieces and I'll put it back together again. He seeks the rejected. He looks for the brokenhearted, regardless of whether you did it to yourself or not. He says, I draw near to the what? Brokenhearted. Not the brokenhearted that only did it, they didn't do it themselves because Satan did it, but since Satan didn't, I will draw near to them. But if you did it because I told you not to and your heart breaks, oh well, that is not what he says. He says, I draw near to you. Yes. And we think, see here going, but I messed it up. He said, I know. I'm going to hold your hand. And then Christ can say, I know because I've been there. Yeah. Not that I've sinned, but I know how hard it is yeah. in this fallen world to have to operate with this flesh that is grossly aware of scarcity and need to tell your body, don't be hungry when your stomach we ain't hungry. Yes, we are. Okay, feed us. No, we're not. We're not hungry at all. Right? And Jesus says, I understand what that's like. I know the type of mistakes that you can make and the pressure trying to survive. The lack of understanding you see and you have because I've, I've been amongst you. Right? I know how Satan deceives. And this is the joy of Christ is that we can say that he not just sees our pain, but he comes with us whenever we're hurting. Rather than some deity looking down going, huh. Good luck with that. He's just right beside you. He cries when you cry. When Lazarus died, he knew he was going to raise him up from the dead, but he still cried when Mary and Martha died. I mean, when Mary and Martha cried, he cried also. Feeling the pain of loss and knowing at some point Lazarus is going to die again. That sucks. Right? To be given something again and then it's taken. Oh, we hate that, don't we? How you, why you don't give it to me and then take it away? Right? And he cries because I anticipate the type of pain you're going to have to experience. And my heart breaks with you. The compassion of God is abounding. He's too kind to be heartless. Right? And he's too wise to just do things randomly. All right? Every ounce of pain that you ever had, as we talked about last week, was thought out and designed by God. And it's specific to his will and his accomplishments. The problem is that we necessarily don't like his will. We prefer our own. 
And so reformation yes. has to happen in our lives because we've developed a taste for things that we should have never enjoyed in the first place. This is from last week. We get joy off of stuff they never meant for us to get joy from. Right? Watching videos and stuff that we should not be thinking is funny. You know, like, oh, he ain't got no leg. Oh, oh, then he fell. And the disclaimer is, don't laugh. And we'd be like, oh, this is about to be funny. <laughs> Play. <laughs> we end up laughing at things that shouldn't be funny. We end up doing things that we shouldn't enjoy. And then later, how we feel bad about it is not large enough to be greater than how we enjoy it. Like, that's the real idea of perpetual sin, is even though as a believer you feel bad, how bad you feel is not greater than the enjoyment you got from it. So now your appetite for something that should not give you joy is greater than the things that God designed for you to have joy in. And when lame folks such as myself come to you as a Christian, they be like, no, I just get joy reading the Bible. You be like, read the Bible. When we going to turn up? When we going to get lit? When we the other day, we we're trying to figure out what to do. It was a Friday night. We went to eat dinner for a birthday. Baby Shamar was with me. He's 22, all right? And I was like, mm, let's turn up. Let's get it, Shamar. Mm, let's go. Mm. And we were sitting in the car like, what are we going to do? We're going to do some stuff. Mm. What we let's go back to the house. Take a nap. <laughs> watch a little, a little show or something, a little comedy. You know, let's watch that. You know, eat some ice cream, go to bed. And I felt so bad. I was like, Shamar, Mama, we need to come up with something. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I used to be cool. I'm going to come up with something. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. We can go to... The only thing I come up with is more, eating more. Like, you want to go get more dessert? <laughs> From another place? <laughs> this can't be right. And what I love about my baby cousin is he said, cuz, I ain't even into that in this time in my life. Amen. And I was like, you better, you better do it. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. Amen. Reformation through a broken heart was last week. And I must admit that there are times, as a segue to this week's study, that sometimes when we have a broken heart, we come up with practices that God never really intended, coping mechanisms in order to help us get through trauma, to make us feel that we're in more control of something that we have no control over. Yeah. It's not anything wrong with that. Your brain does it on its own sometimes. Yeah. Depending on the type of trauma you've experienced, your brain is just trying to get you to survive. Yeah. Still to come up with all kinds of stuff. From now when you hear loud noise, you're gonna go shut your eyes. <laughs> You're like, I don't know why I shut my eyes. Your brain's like, I do. <laughs> we are going to survive. <laughs> You're like, open your eyes, you look stupid. I can't. <laughs> brain says, shut them. <laughs> you don't know what's out there. <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you turn to porn. Maybe you turn to, oh, we got kids. Maybe you turn to cake baking shows, all right? Maybe you actually ate cake. You never know, all right? Maybe you turn to alcohol. Maybe you turn to marijuana. Maybe decide to have a whole complete different life in your mind. Whatever it is, there are coping mechanisms that we establish. And sometimes trials and tribulations in our lives have so impacted us that we can even see the validation of this in scripture. Yeah. Now this is a tricky part. Because my heart is in a place 
I keep reading the same thing into the scripture and it's wrong. Because I can't deal with the fact that I actually got this wrong again because I can't have this said about me. I can only see one thing over and over and over. And at some point we pray that we are healed in such a way where we can handle the truth. That your motives are mixed. That that bad thing does exist in you. And that the Lord still loves you. And you don't have to hide the bad thing. And act like the bad thing could not possibly exist because he's going to reject you. He's accepted you with all of your bad stuff. And having bad things and bad thoughts and bad traits was not a prerequisite to get rid of them in order for him to love you. You're only really doing yourself more harm. Because now you can't be reformed because you don't want to acknowledge that this should have been better. So you hold on to, I just can't. You don't say it out loud, but I know because I say, well, let's just do this. Well, how is that supposed to be done? People people do it. People people say thank you all the time. You just have to say thank you in your mouth. It'll do it. I don't know. It's some simple things that you now are struggling to do. And you look around. You're like, how are they doing it? Could that have been one of your coping mechanisms? How you survived a stressful situation that now as healing is taking place, one way we know that we're being healed is we identify the coping mechanism and we know when it doesn't suit, help us to turn it off. Yeah. Rather than leaving it running, you know. <laughs> Being the weirdo in the church. <laughs> turn it off, ain't nobody trying to hurt you. Yes, you is. I, all I said was, do you want some water? I just, I promise you, that's all I said. That's all I said. <laughs> oh, you want me to drown? Whoa, and it just, it was a cup. <laughs> and inevitably somebody runs to me, Pastor, what is going on with, um, huh? I don't know, nothing. I don't know anything going on with them. <laughs> the things we de- derive to help us cope through rough times are influenced by our environment, our culture, and the form of tragedy that has happened. There was, in my opinion, a Christian coping mechanism that has begun back in the day and has continued as a way for us to feel that we have control and more authority than we really do. So today I want to look at how we are reformed through declaration. How we are reformed through declaration. Now, I believe when the Lord first gave me this particular topic in December of 2022, that I wrote down declaration thinking, hmm, that's going to be good. And as the Lord was just giving me the words for every week, 52 weeks, not knowing the date that they would fall, I could think of to myself, ooh, there's going to be some good scriptures on that. And ooh, this is the direction that might go. Now, as the weeks have progressed, I have forgotten most of those. But I can tell you this one, I thought, mm-hmm, we're going to just list out a whole bunch of decrees and declarations that we should, that we should be able to say and do. Right? And I thought, this is about to be great. That's about to be awesome. That's what we're going to do. Right? Only to find out that some aspects of this declaration thing is not biblical. I know, because it's hard for Americans, American Christians, all right, to accept that you mean to tell me if I don't declare and decree 
I got to declare and decree for stuff to happen. Hello? I got to manifest. Hello, somebody. I got to say it. Don't be not be it. Say it. What did God say? That's my part. I got to do it because I'm the head and not to tell him above and not me. And declaring and decreeing has become attached to a type of, of prayer and authority that we have as children of God. Now, let's just stop just off the top. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. We're going to go through it. And I know this. I don't like it. I don't, I don't enjoy this. Okay. I looked at this and said, I was thinking, I'm telling my daddy, Mr. Hudson, I don't want to do this. Because I'm going to destroy some things that need to be destroyed because it's a form of witchcraft. And these are people that are devout in their belief. And I'm going to have to show you how your heart, because you're not aware, because you think you see everything in your heart, keeps reading into scripture something that does not exist. And I can tell you because when I read it, rationally, it's not there. It doesn't make any sense. But you hold on to it so tightly because it is associated with a very deep feeling. Now, in this church, I tell people all the time, A, B, C, D. That's the natural order. If you have thought A, then you have thought B. The next thought you, not that it's like everybody's, you specifically have an A, right? Your A may be different than his A, but your A is an A, your B is a B, your C is a C. You understand what I'm saying? I watch for your soul so I know, generally speaking, how your mind works. And the longer I've known you, the longer I know how your mind works. A, B, C, right? If you jump to F, I've always said that there has to be an emotional reason as to why the next logical train of thought did not enter. Some type of feeling, some type of uncertainty, some type of shame, some type of guilt, some type of I don't feel safe, some type of I don't know what to do, some type of what would that mean? Some type of something made you go from B to F. Without a doubt, it's always present. Maybe not loudly, like you were just so emotional, but subtly, quietly. It influenced your thought pattern and your decision. There are rules to scripture, all right? When you go to ministry and training class, you'll learn the proper ways to study scripture. No, you just cannot read a scripture like, it applies to be like this. No, it first has to mean what it meant to the people it was written to and only that meaning you can thus apply to your life versus when I read it it makes me feel like this and I kind of thought like this because when I be reading I be no no, all of this is wrong it's all wrong and thank you in proper hermeneutics the scripture means what it meant to the individuals it was written to first And what, how they apply the scripture is the only true way you can apply the scripture to your life. That's it. Other than that, I always say you're stretching it. You're stretching it. All right? You're stretching it. All right? So, you can tell where we're going with this. This is rough because I'm going to spend a whole message on trying to teach you at an applicable level, how to read scripture properly. By showing you how it has been done incorrectly. In hopes that if you believe that you can declare and decree something, and it will happen in your life, that this can be removed. Even now, you'd be like, no, but I'm supposed to spit power, die from death. I know, we're going to get to all the verses. (laughs) 
You almost feel like somebody is taking your thumb out your mouth. Yeah. Ripping your security blanket. Because at the end of the day, all I got to do is think positively and speak positively. And that's all I can do. And it's going to help me. That's not accurate. So let's grow up. All right? Let's grow up. And let the word mean what it says. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. <sighs> I'm for real. Y'all with me? Because this is... This is I don't even know if I want to post this. This is crazy. This is, I mean, because when you Google the declarations of God, yeah. the decrees of God, let me, let me, it's Googleable. Googleable. <laughs> when you Google it, you see stuff off the top. Declarations you could decree over yourself. Hello? Bible verses to declare over your life. Oh, you understand? How to decree and declare scripture for your life. It's just verses and segments and articles and sermons, sermons and articles and papers and blogs and journals about how you can say words over your life. And because there are words that are found in the Bible, that it would actually do that in your life. Good, See what I said like that? You'd be like, that's not like witchcraft. It is your enchantments. Because you see him over the box. See, that's, I asked y'all y'all was going to be with me. Now, now you're trying to abandon boat. Because I don't even know if it's going to be on the podcast. Or post on Instagram. Or Facebook. Because we ain't going to get nothing but a lot of Christians yelling at us. And this type of gospel in America has traveled internationally. And I remember when I first started ministry and I would do missions trips and I would hear some of the stuff and I'd go, we messing everybody up. Yeah. Our consumeristic gospel is now being spread everywhere and now wealth and success is an attribute of Christianity. Not poverty or lowness of heart or contentment. And my heart ached because I was like, Lord, it ain't, I can't, you know, I'm just one person. But please send the people that really got them platforms over there to, to fix this. And it's working. There are people that are being raised in their own nations recognizing and countries recognizing that ain't right. And I'm so glad. Amen. Amen. They need to come back and tell us. <laughs> Christians of other nations, come evangelize us. <laughs> Do you hear me come? For real, I'm serious. If you're listening to the podcast, it's 70,000 of you that download this. Please, if you're in another nation, come, come here <laughs> to America. Evangelize us. <laughs> it's the truth. So now how we're reformed through declaration, first and foremost, is going to be to recognize that declaring and decreeing is not something that we do over our lives. I want to look at some of the scriptures. You're like, what? This uh, you gotta say the name. I'm, I'm gonna show it to you, okay? Because even now you're like, I gotta be able to say good stuff, and that good stuff's gonna cover me. I'm gonna show it that's not biblical. It's just not. And I'm gonna use some of the major verses that these particular believers quote in order to say this. And I'm gonna show you, you're gonna see it for yourself, how the scripture does not say that. Amen. Amen. Woo-wee. That was our entry. Woo. Over the last few decades, the practice of decreeing and declaring has spread like wildfire across America, other continents like Africa, other nations, whether it's Europe, 
the Middle East, Eastern, South American, doesn't even matter. It's everywhere. This practice comes from the Word of Faith movement and its emphasis on the power of words and the need for positive confessions in every sphere of the Christian's life. To declare is to state out a loud fact and to decree is to issue an authoritative command. Let's stop right there. I know what people are thinking. But we are the, we're the children of God. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Okay, now that scripture is even taken out of context. Yeah. The last shall be first. And first that's, it makes we equal. But the last shall be first and the first shall be last. We are equal. Not this is the way to think. If you're at the bottom, don't worry. You're about to go to the top. That's not what that means. It means you're at the bottom. You're going to be equal to the one at the top. And the one at the top is going to be equal to the one that was at the bottom. And the parable reflects that. They all got paid the same wage. But leave it to us in our American minds. Mm-mm, if you at the bottom, you just wait. Hey, you wait because you about to be on the top. Ha-ha, I'm on the top. You toppers, now you bottomers. This cannot be a Christian heart. But we justify it because we think it's biblical. But on the surface, we can say, that don't even sound like a good Christian. Ha, we on the top. Why? Because you was on the top. Not because you did wrong on the top. Just the fact that you was on the top. It's not everybody on top be like, I gotta wash my back because in a minute I might be at the bottom. <laughs> can't, even enjoy, can't even enjoy any success in your life. Uh-uh, I might be at the bottom. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> at the surface, decreeing something means that you have an authority. And we are so inundated, especially the African-American community, with the need to have a sense of authority because for hundreds of years, plus, 400 plus years, we were denied any aspect of authority, yeah. all right, to be treated less than human. So now you tell us, but you a king. Hello, king. Good morning, queen. <laughs> Grand rising, king. <laughs> to those of you that are not in the African-American community, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we tend to greet each other in the DMs with, good morning, queen, to indicate your, your, your queennessness. Of your African heritage. And Christians be like, yeah, because I'm I'm a prince and prince. You was you was you was nothing right now. No, but this is hard for people to hear. Because if Christ Himself, who is God and King of all, hello somebody, became just a mere servant as he walked this earth, then we are supposed to be what? Mere servants as we walk this walk. Not kings, not queens, not declaring and decreeing. We ain't declaring and decreeing nothing. We are servants. We doing whatever the decree and declare was. That's Bible. I mean, just for anybody that knows scripture, just that is the whole idea. And if he has to be a servant, so are you. Until he is glorified is when you will be glorified. Oh, Oh, no, but we're supposed to be glorified before him because, you know, he died so we could be, we could have power. No, no. He died so you can have power of the Holy Spirit to live rightly as the persecution increased. Hello? Yeah, you need that. They were healing. Disciples were healing in the name of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? Because it was the will of God. You didn't get power of the Holy Spirit to be kings and queens. You got power of the Holy Spirit because y'all about to get the snot beat out of you. And you're going to need to be encouraged and filled with all the love of the Lord to help you endure and not 
fall. That's what it was for. Now, you can see evidence of that because Peter, who was once running, who was once refuting that he didn't know Jesus, stood up and said, I do know him. And a man that denied Christ has power to preach that he was wrong for denying Christ. And now we can all see evidence of the power of God in a human being. Not miracles, signs, and wonders. Because you only know God based off the miracles. And in the last days, miracles will increase. Not, they're not even of God. You'll be, you'll be turned away. You'll follow false doctrine. I wouldn't count on that. Amen? To declare is to state a loud fact, all right? And to decree is to issue an authoritative command. For the proponents of this movement, this practice is a powerful aid to prayer. You know, you've been in prayer circles like that. Yeah. Father, we thank you. And now we declare a decree in Jesus' day, we're going to be the head. <laughs> Let's look at some major scriptures that they use. Amen? Amen. I hope you got your notebooks. If we don't post the podcast for our listeners, um, I'll be in prayer about that. <laughs> um, we, we'll definitely find give you a link in your group me. Okay? All right. Let's pray. Because <laughs> we already tired. Me. <laughs> and what's going to happen is, y'all are like, Pastor, what should I say? Pastor, what should I say? Pastor, what? Oh, this is what he said. What should I say? <laughs> so in essence, I answer all of the debates through you. As... But maybe. Let's see on Wednesday how you have handled this word. Amen? Because if you've grown, I'll let you go out there and see. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Romans chapter 4. Verse 17, when you're there, say amen. All right, very good. <laughs> okay, since verse 17 starts in the middle of a sentence, let's go back to verse 16, which is a very good practice. All right? If somebody gives you a verse and it starts in the middle of a sentence, a good practice is to go to the top of the sentence. And to be, if you really want to have a better practice, read a couple of verses before and a couple of verses after that you might have it in somewhat an understanding of context. Not to say that two verses before and two verses after is the whole context, but if there's a clue to it, you might be able to see it. Amen? All right. Verse, what did I say? Verse 16. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Stop right there. Most often this verse is quoted in the King James. Should I use the King James Version? Is that easier for you guys? All right. I'm sorry. Is that was, was e e ESV. Yeah, call things that be not as though they were. All right. King. Let's go. NKJV. Yeah? A little bit more English. All right. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace 
so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Stop right there. This is an understanding about how we are granted salvation through faith, those who held the Old Testament and those who did not, are not adhering to the Old Testament of the law, but are just doing it by faith, like the faith of Abraham. That's what that verse is, is coming in on. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is in parentheses, okay? It's indicating that this is an addendum, all right? All right. Uh, in the presence of him who he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Let's stop there because it gets a very long sentence. This particular verse has a lot of comma splices. All right. So if you know anything about your English classes, you got to kind of, you got two commas. There's something in that statement that is uh, an, kind of a, a side note to a further explanation of the subject. And then it goes back to the subject. Okay. So in this particular example, this particular verse, uh, verse 17, um, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who is calling those things which do not exist as though they did? God. God. Not you. Not you. And some have stretched this to say, well, maybe it was Abraham. But, in, but in, if you look at the proper uh, movement of those comma splices, it's not referring to Abraham. It's referring to God himself. And furthermore, there is no sign anywhere where Abraham ever spoke something into existence. So when they said, no, we can call those things that be not as though they were. No, we cannot. We cannot do that. God has done that. Has done, is doing, and will do it. Right? That's it. That's all him. That, hello? That's all him. The idea that we are co-creators is a Gnostic belief and a modern law of attraction. And that is trash. It's a modern day law of attraction. You've got to think positive things and speak positive things over your life. And that's what you'll attract, positive things. Even believers now, they be like, yeah, everybody like crunched. Been spewing out wrong gospel. That's why I tell you all to sit down. Say less. Yeah. Learn. You don't even know what you don't know. That's good. Right? Yeah. Hello? Over here just spewing out laws of attraction as Bible. Yeah. You just say it. Even now, you have a hard time. Some of y'all are struggling. Because you be like, you be, oh, you sick? Don't speak that over me. What? Speak yeah. that. You are literally snot is running down your nose. Your eyes are red. You said you hear ringing in your ears. You are sick. Uh -uh, I don't receive that. Receive it. You got it. You have it. What type of schizophrenia are you living in where everybody sees you snotting, coughing, hacking? <laughs> And they say, oh, are you sick? No, not me. Because in Christ, I'm already healed. What? Is that a heavenly now? Or? 
You know, that's, a, that's in, in the heavens you already healed. Okay, but do you live here? We want to know, do you live here? Because I'm going to need you to wash your hands. I'm going to need you to step back a little bit. Cover your mouth when you call. I ain't sick, you, you is. And because you are so used to giving yourself far too much authority, you're willing to make everybody else sick so that you have some level of control. The whole body of Christ got to be sick. Huh? So that you can feel like you have some level of control. Because you don't like to feel vulnerable like a child. You don't like to feel weak like a child. You don't like to feel de 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 dependent like a child. You don't like to feel like you don't know what's going to come or what's going to go like a child. I need to be able to have a word and I'm going to say that word and I know that word is going to be accomplished. And if it don't. Because you've seen that it happens sometimes. Now, what kind of prophet got to go back and refigure out why it didn't happen? I said it. Help me, Jesus. Cover me, Lord, by your hand. Not because I'm saying... Bible words. This reverse is referring to God who speaks those things that be not as though they were. He calls them to existence. It's reflecting the idea of Genesis. And it is not talking about Abraham. All right? It's just showing the faith of Abraham who believed in God that even though God even though it wasn't there, he served a God that does bring forth things that are not there. Yeah. So he says, Abraham, you will have a nation will come from your wombs. He could say, this is the kind of God that calls stars out of nowhere and suns out of nowhere. So if you tell me I'm going to have a nation from my, then I'm going to have a nation. Yeah. That was the purpose of it. To get you to trust more in the power of God, yeah. not the power of yourself. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Let's look at the next verse they use. Is that one clear? If it's not, write a little question on your notes for Bible study. All right. All righty. Let's go to Job chapter 22, verse 28. Job chapter 22, verse 28. You, uh, you might have heard this verse before. Thou shalt declare, decree a thing and it shall be established. Huh? Job 22. Let, let's go there for, for just a second. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm Oh yeah. This is why let me let me let me just holler at you for a second. This is why it's so important when somebody tells you to slow down and you assume something's not in your heart, the practice of me trying to get you to slow down and see that you went from B to F is so that when you read scripture, you don't make this kind of mistake where you're so unaware of the possibilities of your own heart. You at least got to be aware you know what? I could I could have had a little bit of that in me. I, I could have had it. Amen. I could have had it. And thus, it's a possibility that I might be reading this wrong. Because if not, you're going to hold the word captive to your own ideology. All right? Your heart ain't that pure. Like when I see it, I'm infallible. No, you is not. Every human being has mixed motives for everything. 
I love people. That I wasn't even in my heart. A little bit. A little bit. Maybe it wasn't the greatest thing in your heart. But it was there. Because we see the fruit that you're trying to deny. But it's obvious. Every human being has mixed emotives. All right? It could be for someone else. But also, you get a little bit of joy being able to do that. You could have been, I don't care. But a little bit you did care because you had to convince yourself not to care. Every human being has mixed motives. Let yourself off the hook. Hello, somebody. And thus be more compassionate to your brothers and sisters when you feel that they might have done something with the wrong motives. Been there. Done that. Been there. Sometimes I had the wrong motive at the top. Didn't even see it. Okay. I was chiefly motivated by that and didn't even know it. Does that make sense? Does that help you out? All right. So you can forgive others a whole lot easier. Well, I know they only did that because it is. Probably. Probably because they're human. All right? The goal here is not to determine how pure their motives. The goal is how right do they try to make it. How, did, how much do they really try to make it right? How much do they say, I'm sorry, Satan used me. you like, you know what? That's what I'm talking about. That's why I rock with you. Not because you're perfect. Not because you always get it right. Because I know you love God and you love me. And even if that means you got to look bad, you don't mind looking bad to make sure truth is seen. Yeah. Far be it for me to hide the truth. Mm-mm, mm-mm. That's the kind of person you can rock with. Because seeing somebody's flaws is inevitable. Yeah, Lord. But seeing how they handle their mistakes is a sign of true character. And that's the person you want to fool up with. Yeah. For all y'all trying to find friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for you because you need a friend. <laughs> Just stop calling me. <laughs> I don't mind being your friend. But after a while, it's going to be some conflicts. You're like, Just tell me like a friend. I'm like, no, that's a sin. What? Why don't you just be on my side? Because it's the devil. <laughs> yeah, always. All righty. Are you there? And Joe? Job, what did I say? 40, 22, verse 28, verse 20, 28. Okay. It says, uh, you will declare a thing and it will be established for you. Now that, that seems pretty, pretty concrete, doesn't it? It says, you shall declare a thing. Huh? And it shall be established. Pastor, declare a thing. Okay. Who is, who is the you? In this scripture, it's Job. And who was the one telling him this? Go back to the top, the title of the chapter. Chapter 22 is Eliphaz. Oh, Lord. Yeah, everybody, oh, Lord. Because in chapter 42, verse 7, God says to all of Job's friends, you have not spoken of me what is right. Job go... God goes back and corrects all of Job's friends and say, y'all is talking some nonsense. And you have not spoken right of me and how I roll. He corrects all the friends. Oh, but you want to declare a thing, huh? All you had to do on that was just look at the title. Read a couple more chapters, see what happened to Eliphaz. God didn't be like, Elphaz, that was, that was solid. You know what I'm saying? That was solid. I'm so glad Job got you as a friend. He said, all oh, them friends, it's crap. They talk a lot, but they don't really know 
me. And that's when God starts getting into this rhetorical questioning of, were you there? Were you there when I hung the heavens? Were you there when I did? You and all your friends thinking you know something and how stuff works. Oh, I know I can declare a decree and it shall be itself. You don't know nothing. Amen. If you weren't here from the beginning, how do you know how this stuff works? Yeah. That's good. If I sit in my car and I press the button and the cool air comes out, you want me to believe that the button magically produces cool air? But because from your seat, that is all you see, yeah. then you would assume like a child that that must be how it works. I just show, I just go into the grocery store and there's just food there, just magically food in the grocery store. Oh no, there are farmers getting paid below minimum wage, getting addicted to drugs, slaving for your avocado, getting unfair wages for your avocado, killing animals in horrible situations for your milk. For you to peruse aisles with choices of abundance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To have avocado out of season. Somebody else family over here destroyed. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. It's just, but no, food just magically appear in the grocery store. Because of consumerism, I have money, I buy it. Not recognizing the beast that is behind all of that. So when you say your grace, you're thanking God for the people who had to lay down their lives. To get you oranges out of season? Hello? It's a reality. When I, when I found out how many people were getting addicted to cocaine trying to get my fair life milk, I did. I, I stopped buying fair life milk for about a year. And then I, I, and I like it so much. <laughs> but then now I just use fair life milk to pray. Just, Lord, please bless. Because it's so good. Forgive me. Okay, everybody to each their own, yes? But the most important thing is that you recognize that just because the result is what you see does not mean you understand how it got here. Just because you said, I declared that somebody was going to be healed, and they were. That does not mean that you can say that because you declared it, that's how it happened. You don't know the system, okay? There's a whole engine behind this air conditioning system. That's right. But you'd be foolish to think because the part you saw means... That button caused it. No. That's, I had my money. That's where it is. No. That's not how it happened. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And it's, it's worth us humbling ourselves to recognize that we don't know so much. Amen? Amen. All righty. Can we see that Elphaz is not who you want to be quoting? No. Okay? How you on that? Need questions? Write them in your margins for Bible study. Okay? So that seems pretty, pretty, pretty clear on that one. Okay, all right, let's move on. Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. Psalms chapter 2. How are you guys enjoying how to study the Bible? Some basic lessons. You're just getting some basic lessons as you go into ministry and training and even some of your discipleship classes. Um, I will help you to understand more of the basics of understanding the scripture. But for time's sake, we'll just go through it and you can learn by example. Amen? Amen. Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. When you're there, say amen. amen. I will declare the decree. I will declare the decree. Colon. There's a colon there. There's a colon. It's not necessarily a period there. There's a colon. And the next line says, the Lord has said to me. Okay, 
both of these. I will declare the decree, colon, the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. I uh, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. This verse is teaching us to proclaim God's decrees, not our own. He's saying, I'm going to say what I heard God say. Does that make sense? That's important. That's important. Yes? Now, in our day, we have Bible, all right? An anthology of scripture that we can use to kind of reference the character, nature, and heart of God. Yes? So when you decide to declare something, right? I'm going to have to ask, is it biblical? First, yes? Second, when you say it's biblical, I'm going to have to ask, in what way do you benefit? In what way do you benefit? Because the soul and the spirit have the same type of sensing abilities. But it is the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword right to divide the the bone from the marrow, the soul from the spirit. Which says that your soul, you, and your spirit that lie apart from God are so connected and so easily confused that it takes the living word of God to divide the two. Not, Not the stale bread that you had when you were five. But is it sharper going in and out? Is it the same right now as it was back then? That's what you have to decree. As my pastor used to tell me, if Abraham just stuck with what God said, Isaac will be dead. That's true. Abraham, take your son Isaac and sacrifice him. Abraham, stay your hand. Which is an indicator that both those words came from God. But it was more important which word God is applying at what time in your life. Or even if it's for you at all. Some of us are so good at observing people and observing stuff. It's real easy for us to see what's going to happen next and declare it like we got some inside information. There ain't no spirit of prophecy. A spirit of observation. Early on, I test all the prophets in this house. I tested Minister Monifa when she first started. She's grown since then. Do you mind if I use the example? When she used her example as a prophetess, I said, okay, Miss Smith, this woman came in. I said, what did you see about her? She said, I passed. I thought she had witchcraft and demonic activity. And I said, oh, okay. Now this woman was dressed in all black. She had weird long nails, a black hat. You know, I was like, yeah, that's what you think. Was, was, was not any way, shape, form like that at all. But trying to learn in your prophetic gifts the difference between your soul observing something and the true sound of what God is saying is so important and any of us could get it wrong which is why we don't take too much confidence in that does that make sense that was just an exercise she's gotten way better since then right but that was an exercise to see where she is in that because I do believe that those gifts exist in the Bible I've used them people I never knew and stuff I've never could observe Like, I I can't see inside your body. I don't have an x-ray. Those types of things, right? That's different, right? But when it comes to declaring and decreeing, it's God that does those things. Yes? And you're just repeating what he said. And you better repeat it the right thing at the right time. Amen? Amen? 
And if you personally benefit from it, how, how confusing is that? Because yeah. Oh, yeah. God told me, I declare and decree, I'm going to be healed. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Because you feel like you have no control if you just say, I hope that it is in the Father's will that I am healed of this. I can see it's a part of his heart. I can see that he loves me enough to do it. I know that he has all power, but even still, I don't know, maybe this suffering might be something he needs to do. Maybe something he might need to show, and I am willing, and nobody wants to say that. I don't say I'm willing to go through stuff. I'd much rather say, let somebody else go through that. Give me the, give me the, give me the out. You say you heal, you heal me. I'm going to declare a decree and you're going to heal me. Because you don't want to feel powerless. You don't want to be challenged on the idea that you should have the type of heart that even if it's painful, you're willing. You don't have that heart and you don't want to admit it. So you got to hold on to your ability to declare and decree some other stuff as a sign of your true faith. No, it's a sign of your lack of faith. You got to be healed in order for you to know that God is using you. In order for you to believe in the, in the power of God, you got to see only good things in your life, never bad things. That's a sign of a lack of faith because it takes a lot of faith to be in the midst of all your pain and say that God, even if you don't lift it, God, if, if you don't move it, God, if I'm going to struggle with it all my life, just strengthen me to be, give you glory. Just strengthen me to do your will. Just strengthen there. People won't see me. Let them see you. That takes more faith. It takes the kind of faith that you need the power of the Holy Spirit for. Take no faith to do witchcraft words of manifestation and attraction. It takes faith to say, God, you know, I'm a weak human being. And I want to make you proud. Strengthen me to endure. Let me, let me show the love of God. Let, let me do it with a good attitude. Let me do it without complaining. Let me do it without giving up. Let me do it without causing shame to the body. You got that kind of faith, I believe, you, you, you know. But your ability to declare and decree, and it happened. Ooh. <laughs> you look at the clouds, it's going to rain. Oh, huh, you're a prophet. <laughs> or what I love, you say something so prophetical so many years down the road that none of us can hold you accountable. Or so on the other side of the world, because I see it right now in, in a tent in Ecuador. There's a plantain farmer right now giving God glory. We're going to be like, yes. Yeah. How are we going to verify that? But you look so spiritual, Dudley. You know what? That's probably what it is. They probably sent their spirit. They translated over there and saw that man in Ecuador. We'll just keep trying to figure, like, just go with it. Yeah, yeah, you never know. That's God. You know, he works in mysterious ways. Uh, not that mysterious. <laughs> he ain't confusing. <laughs> if something was done to cause you to believe more in God, he will make sure that you see it. Because yeah. the prophecy is there for those that need to see and believe in God. So when it is accomplished, they can say, oh, that was God. 
So if you prophesy something that the person can't even see, how does that help the person? God gonna make you a millionaire. Okay. When? We don't know. What? The whole life. I got him. God said I'm gonna be a millionaire. God said I'm gonna be a millionaire. You want the job? No, that ain't millionaire money. God said I'm gonna be a millionaire. God said I'm gonna be a millionaire. You wanna learn how to budget? I don't need to budget. I'm about to be a millionaire. God said I'm gonna be a millionaire. Y'all act like it don't affect you like that, but it does. It does. God said, I'm going to get married. You my husband. You my husband. You my wife. You my wife. Is it you? Did you? Because I was praying last night and then you showed up and I wasn't even thinking about that. So, and they did prophesy that. I was going to get married one day. You get mad at me and say, Pastor, I know because I wasn't even saying and that person just connect with me. I'm like, that ain't it. Tori, can I use an example? Tori, can he pass? I know that's my wife. I said, I don't believe in that. He said, but God told me it was my wife. I said, okay. But your wife got free choice. So hopefully she think the same thing. <laughs> if not, I don't think God gonna be like, switch your her heart just for you because you are more valuable than she is. It ain't like that, no. Because you're the husband, so you're, what you want is more important than the wife. And the wife is just a piece of cattle that you can, he can change her heart just so that you might have family. That's crazy. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And every wife that was like, I was gonna be a wife. Hope's dashed. <laughs> like it's not automatic? No, it ain't automatic. No. You see me? It is not automatic. <laughs> you can have everything a man could want and still not be married. Now, y'all know me just to help somebody out. You know me, right? My members know me, right? You, you would think that I, I'm marryable. Would you think I'm marryable? My dad says so, right? She cooks, she cleans. She's to keep herself up. She's smart, she's a nurturer. You know, she's not too bad looking, you know? She's getting a little up there, but you know, other than that, she's real marryable. And if I came to you and said, I don't think I'm worth anything because nobody will pick me. I think I must have done something wrong because God won't let me get married. You think something happened to me up here, wouldn't you? That's how I feel about you. That's how I feel about you. It ain't nothing wrong with you that you ain't got married yet. It ain't nothing wrong with you that nobody picked you. It ain't nothing wrong with you that you ain't found a mate. That's nothing to do with it. Could it be a strategic will of God that you were open to? Because at the end of the day, I got to say, I just didn't want it bad enough because I believe in not having sex. Period. Before marriage. Do you understand? And even these Christians, they be like, well, God understands our hearts. I'm like, whoa. I don't want him to understand. <laughs> yes? Amen. Amen. Uh, that's what somebody, bless the name of the Lord. Everybody. It's something wrong with me. No, just no more than anybody else. <laughs> Let's go to Isaiah chapter 45, verse 11. Isaiah 45, verse 
11. Isaiah 45. We like to go to the Bible, Bible, you know. You can look at the verses before and after. Isaiah 45. When you're there, say amen. amen. Verse 11. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands, you command me. That's what, it's, that's what it says. <laughs> Period. Hello? Yeah. Okay. This would look like that we could just have a conversation with the Lord yeah. and ask him concerning his sons or his son, right? And, and if we know what that is, then we, we could use words that literally have to command God because God has to do exactly what he said in his word he would do. Huh? That if, 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 if I ask him about it and it's in his word, then when I say it, God is obligated to do exactly what his word says. He has to do it because that's who he is. He, is. he has to do it. He has to do the word that I said because it is his word. Okay, that's not what this verse is saying. Okay? No one can command God to do anything. No one. Not no one. Not you. Not Satan. No one. I don't care if it's the whole word that you preach back to him. You still cannot command him to do anything. He is not obligated to fulfill whatever scripture you read over your life that week. That's not his power. This particular line of is a line of questioning. It's a sarcastic statement where if you keep reading, there is some rhetorical questioning and some interrogative and even condemning questions that God is saying. Who would ask me about what I'm doing? And who's going to command me? Who's going to check me, boo? If read in context, he's saying it rhetorically. Not as something you should do. But if you don't read your Bible and you have a desire in your heart to have so much control, you'll believe it. And if you read it, you'll keep reading the same thing into it over and over and over again. But a humble heart should automatically know that I can't command God to do nothing. So thus, in fact, let me read this again because this don't line up with what I do know is not possible. No, no, no. That's not what you want. That's all you can see. He said right there. I command me. He, can see, oh, he, got, he got to be held to his word. You got to hold God to his word. If he said it, that's what he's going to do. You can just tell him because he, he likes that interaction. No, he don't. No, no, he don't. Ain't no sign that God likes you being bold and telling him what to do. I don't see that nowhere. None. Like, I love it when y'all be like barely knowing stuff and then you tell me what to do about stuff you think you know. That means we have great relationship. That's not what that means. Let's go to the next one. We're almost done. How y'all? How y'all? Y'all feeling all right? You right? You feeling all right? I think that's a good. That's a good. That's a good amount to cover. Okay. Decreeing and declaring reduces prayer and ridicules God. Prayer is supposed to allow our hearts to join with the will of God. Decre declaring and decreeing takes the attention off of our hearts 
trying to make sure it wants what God wants and just says what we want over and over and over again. Because somebody told you that real faith is to believe for something and it happened. No. Real faith is, is, uh, equals faithfulness. The faith that God is talking about is not just merely believing something exists or can be done, but from a place of faithfulness. So if your faithfulness has conditions that it has to be pleasant to you, then it's not faithfulness. If your faithfulness has a condition that you're going to be the head and not the tail, that you're going to never hurt, you're not going to hurt like this no more, then it's not faithfulness. Do you understand? That's not faith. Our faith is that we know you and who you are. And our prayer is that our hearts could line up with your kingdom being done there through us here. And it don't have to be through declaring and decreeing great things. It could be through suffering, through serving, through being humble, for for being contented. Oh, that's a a curse word in America. Be content. Y'all automatically think it's the same as, what's the other C word? Complacent. Y'all can't even separate the two, right? Contentment means complacency. No, 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 it does not. It doesn't mean complacency. It just means that you're okay with what you have. And you don't have this insatiable need like Americans to get bigger, better, best. Bigger, better, best. More, 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 more. You silly self. All right. Scripture contains a number of general statements about the decrees of God. All right? Tons. Let's look at another verse that I think is, is also used quite often. Proverbs 18.21. Proverbs 18.21. When you're there, say amen. No? Okay. All right. Proverbs 18.21. Not there yet. All right. This is a good lesson. I'm, I'm glad you guys are you're still with me. Ain't nobody jumped ship yet, right? All right. All right. This is just, some of us is really, is really tearing up some stuff, you know. We have to all repent. You know, I did be saying that. I do be saying that sometimes. I need to repent. That's okay. We're going to have an altar call. All right? Don't try to hide it. Don't try to make it what wasn't. Proverbs 18.21. Are you there? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Do y'all know this? Do y'all know this verse? I got to finish reading it, people. That's in context. <laughs> we just learned this. Okay, that's a comma. <laughs> Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Stop right there. Okay. 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 First and foremost, this is in the book of Proverbs. Okay. The book of Proverbs are sayings of wisdom acquired between David and Solomon over time that say things that are true within your experience of life. Okay? Like a fool speaks his mind. If you're quiet, no one will know that you're a fool. (laughs) We could see this in just living, right? Like, duh, if you don't work, you don't eat. It's, it's a proverb that really helps us to understand how, we, how things flow and then kind of keep us reminded of some of the basics. Right? 
It's real simple, all right? It's words of wisdom, okay? All right. So as a word of wisdom, let's take a look at what this might be saying, just as basic words of wisdom, okay? All right. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. All right, good, bad, death and life in power of the tongue. Power, blah, 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 tongue. Got it, all right? Got it? And those who love it. What is the it? The tongue? Power. The it is the power of the tongue. Not the tongue. Not the fruit life, the life, the fruit, the, the, the words of good life. It didn't say death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who like life love the words that are life-giving. Not what it says. That's what you was thinking. Right? It says those who love the power of the tongue will eat its fruit. Those who love the ability to talk your way for good or talk your way for bad will then have to endure the consequences of how much you talk, whether it brings good things or bad things. You talk so much, you like that you got good talk game, you like that you can finesse, you like that you can make people run in circles around your words, then you will eat the fruit of that, whether good or bad. Now that's just basic wisdom. Mm -hmm. that's good, Pastor. The people that speak too much evil, they got to eat them fruits. Yeah. To speak the people that really talk a whole bunch in order to get good things to happen, they're going to eat them fruit too. Uh -huh. The idea here is if you love the power that you have to be able to get things done because of your talk game, you're going to eat that fruit. Jesus. You kept saying how you always wanted to, kept saying how I would never, no, 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 no. You want to eat that. And you're the kind of person that likes it. It ain't just a slip. You pride yourself. I'm like, I ain't really lie. You know, there's something called being deceptive. It, it don't mean lie. It means saying and doing things in such a way that prohibit the complete view of truth. You good, you good with them words, you know. I ain't really say no, but what I said was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah. Or what I love about how you be talking to one friend, and then that friend, you don't like the other friend. And then we talk to the other friend, then that friend, you don't like the other friend, and he be doing so much. I can't stand her. Uh-huh. I don't even like her either. I know she be getting on my nerves. And then all of a sudden, these two friends start talking together, and then you be like, uh-oh. You both know that I said something about the other one, another one said something about the other one, and y'all both know what I don't. How did you have this happen? Because you've been running your mouth too much. You prefer to convince people with your words rather than your actions. You prefer to paint a different picture. No, that's, that's not what you see. That's not what you see. That's not why I did it. This takes like orange to me. It's not really orange. So you, what you really got to do is you got to close your eyes and then you got to think about this might be grapefruit. Have you ever considered that? That it might be grapefruit? I'm pretty sure I know the difference between orange and grapefruit. But by the time this person get done talking, you'll be like, well, maybe. Uh, maybe it is. And now they get done talking to you, and they know they're good at it. They know by the time they get done talking to you, you all nice to them again. You all, well, maybe I didn't get Maybe I just figured out wrong, you know. Sometimes, and then you'll be like, what was I so sure about two minutes ago? 
Somebody got good talk game. <laughs> you the fruit they just ate. <laughs> got him. <laughs> Jezebel ate you up. <laughs> no, come on, King. Come on. You know you want this. Got him. You can say less. Do more. Say less, do more. Let's ask you. You ain't got to give me a lot of words. I'm like, oh. There, there it is. Right? In essence, Proverbs 18.21 is not in context of the type of book it is. A book of Proverbs. It is not an explanation of some mystical secret. It's not exposing some mysticism about the nature of words. It's giving basic information. People that talk a lot, they got to eat everything they talk. So if they like talking, there's going to be consequences to that. It's basic. You know what I'm saying? Some mystical reasons behind if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah, because when you work, you sow seeds and you sow seeds. And that seed then spiritually, you don't think any mystic belief about them, Proverbs. So why this one? Why this one? If it's not for your sense and your need of control. Your need of power. And power right there in it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Of witnesses according to the testimony they bear. Of judges according to the sentences they pass. Of teachers according to the doctrine they preach. Of all men who by their will or ill speaking bring death or life to themselves and others. Yes! To a teacher, yes, you either going to get fired or keep living yeah. at your job based off of what you say out your mouth. To a judge, yes. Yeah. That's, that's basic wisdom, okay? Not some mystic secret meaning. The idea that there's some secret meaning besides this in every verse is the epitome of Gnosticism. Yeah. An early heresy that the disciples yeah, yeah. fought against in the beginning of the church in, 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 in the New Testament. Yeah. Ain't no secret mysticisms to stuff. There's devils. There's demons. They're angels. They be doing stuff. They do stuff, whatever God tell them to do. Sometimes we don't even understand the stuff they do. But they're there. They do stuff. To try to convince yourself that you know everything about how Satan works and everything about how God works and everything about how this secret spiritual world works, you're going to set yourself up. For foolishness. Because at some point, Satan's going to convince you to go over the line. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. First, he'll start with pride. Give you a sense of control in everything that you read. Like you like it. Was it the head and not the tail? The above and never beneath. I declare and decree it. You'd be like, yeah. Yeah. And that stuff be happening. You'd be like, yeah. It's happening. That's good. And Satan like, yeah, they don't even know that that would happen regardless of what they said. But it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. I'm using it, I'm using it, I'm using it, I'm using it, I'm using it. So now you're excited that you got all this anointing. And you're excited that you got, you're excited that you got all this power. People are like, Pastor, you're so anointed. I'm like, yes, you know why? Because I serve. I serve very painfully. My anointing is to be able to endure a lot of pain and keep serving. That is my anointing. The rest of it is God's will. That he just so happens to use me in, which I love. But that is not my anointing. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, Pastor. My my anointing is my faithfulness. Yeah. My dedication, my long suffering. Yeah. These are the things I was anointed for. Right? Not speaking miracles. 
Any demon in hell can do that. First, he tricks you with power. Right? Gets you loving that. And then because pride and insecurity are two sides of the same coin, before you know it, you start believing that the devils could do way more than you think they can. Way more than what the Bible says. So I say it's like devil because the devil could possess a Christian. No, he can't. No, he can't. Not a Christian. Because a Christian has the spirit of God. And please show me a space where anything could hold Satan being in the same presence of God. You think he could hold that in you? You're going to go crazy. You're going to be one of them crazy people out on them tombs, ripping their clothes and being chained up because apparently, no, that's not it. That's not it. But he'll start making you feel so insecure and unsafe. Like he's always around you. Yeah. He's always watching you. He's always, you got to watch yourself. You got to get yourself. And that happened. Now this, in, this unsafe or unsecure feeling has happened because of the pride you took and the power of get the devil. So the Lord is now you feel like he's always there, always around. And no matter how many times I try to tell these people that I'm drifted off, you need to stop worrying about Satan. Why you always see Satan? Why you always feel him? Why? Won't you feel God? Won't you focus on God? And my eyes on the Lord, it can't also be on the storm. That's why we don't teach classes on demonic naming. We don't do none of that over here. And we have a strong spiritual reckoning and understanding of God. Right? But we're not teaching on that. What's a demon? Whatever that, that it is. You got a name it to kick it out. No, I don't. I ain't got to name nothing. <laughs> Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I ain't got to know my real name. Psh, that is not how this works. <laughs> because the power is not in my tongue. I don't have to know the real name. I don't have to know the real word to use. All I got to know is that is contrary to the will of God. That's it. That's all I got to know. That's all you got to know. You get down with battles, you're like, Pastor, how you move out? I say, because you can see the will of God on this. This is so clear. But you're so busy trying to focus on the schemes of the devil. And focus on God. Because first he gets you attracted to power. And then you fall victim to the unsecure feeling. Like demons used to walk in your house. Ah, can't no demon no. just walk in my house. Oh, no. no, you don't understand. This the house God gave me. We, me and him, inhabit this place together. That's like me feeling like when I'm at home with my dad and my mom, that some devil going to walk in and just start running up my dad's house. My dad will shoot him so fast. (laughs) Boom! My dad wouldn't even let you step foot in the door. You just, you better stop knocking on that door. You better stop knocking on that door because you're making my baby afraid. You're making my baby afraid. You better back up. You better back up. You got my baby and my wife here all nervous. You better back the up. That's people that have an understanding, a proper understanding of fatherhood. And when that is missed, you don't even feel safe in your own home. But God is not like man. You're going to have to learn who he is, not who your daddy was. It ain't no way a demon going to step foot in my house. Hello? Unless the Lord said, now, he hanging out with your friend over there. Now, you know, you know I'm full up with him. I know, Lord. We ain't got to, no, no, let's do it because we, 
We do like her. She's pretty cool. Let's, let's see if she turn them loose. She ain't turning them loose or I kick them both out. Get out of my house. Bye. <laughs> you both got to go. You know, messed up the peace in my daddy home. Daddy said, ah, that boy messing up my house. Ah, y'all got to go. He turned up my basement. Y'all got to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. I told you to sit down, turn that TV down. Then your friend going to tell you how to turn the TV down. Ah, your dad going to say, you got to go. We're going to give you some lenience here because so you, you're coming in with somebody we love. Yeah. But we will kick you and them out. <laughs> you got one choice. You, 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 want, you don't want me to kick your friend out? Well, you go with him. <laughs> now the kid got to pack up their stuff and leave the house too. Can I go stay at your house? Right? Because you don't have an understanding of households. Ain't no demon walking in my dad's house. Yeah. Unless we both got a plan for him. Unless you, you, what we're going to do, we're going to let him come in five steps. And then you're going to be over here. And I'll be there like this. He's going to explain to me why we're doing something that we ain't never done. No, we're going to let him in, but only because. The law said I got to shoot him when he get in the house. So I'm going to just say, all right, tell me now something, daddy. Because you know, why you letting him in the house? We gotta let him hit the doorstep so I can legally shoot him. Okay, 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 okay. We're gonna have a conversation. Because yeah. it's my father's house. Do you understand? Yeah. But demons just running around tormenting me. Some Jezebel spirit, some spirit of incubus y'all be talking about, riding on you in your dreams. That ain't nothing, but you're, you're not half, you're not fully awake. And yes, you do deal with lust. Two things can be true. Yeah. <laughs> but as a believer, ain't you no know demon be running in and out of your house? Yeah. So you should know that that's where, wherever you live in is where God gave you. Yeah. That's it. That's your house. It could be small, one room, a little cot on the corner. This is us right here all day. Now you're running from Satan everywhere. Oh, he met the house, man. Pastor, can you come cast these demons out of the house? No, ain't you a believer? Literally somebody called me. I said, don't you believe? Yes, I'm going to pray with you. Now go walk to your house. I got your back. That's it. I'm on the phone. They over there in Jesus' name. Yeah, 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 you do it. That's your house. I don't live there. You recognize how you and God live there together. And get rid of these bad ideas from bad fathers and learn what a good father looks like and receive it and repent forever thinking that your God will let a demon just run all rampant in your house. Do you understand? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like you being tormented. Because they just be playing with your mind. Versus you recognizing, my mind belongs to God. Yeah. Ain't nobody worried about you. Yeah. Ain't nobody worried about you. Understanding the wiles of the devil is not looking for him all the time. It's understanding the type of deception he uses. Yeah. That's it. The, yes. the deception. Yeah. Not, there we go, there we go, there we go. Stop. You're going to get drugged under. Hello? Yeah. Amen. And you can know I'm right. Because some of y'all went to real spiritual churches. Oh, yeah. And when you fell into sin, it got too spiritual. Yeah. And you got confused oh, yeah. and sunk deeper. Yeah. You talking good? Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. They were so spiritual. You'd be like, it's a demon on me. <laughs> One time I fell into sin when I was young, before I became in leadership, my pastor said, out of Durham, there's a, there's, a, there's a demon on your back like a backpack. I was like, ah! Ah! Now, I know I had sinned, and she knew I had sinned. And I'm in my bed crying, you know, because I'm like, God, the pastor says he's a demon on me like a bad man. I don't want no demon on me like a bad man. I don't even know it's a demon on me. I didn't even know. And I can just feel the Lord like, 
There's no demon. It's just a, all right, okay, okay, all right. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but you end up trying to piece together so many spiritual things oh, yeah. that people have taught you throughout the time yeah. that you get confused and you start sinking more rather than just holding on to the word of God. So you sin, ask for forgiveness, he forgives you, move on. But what about the demon? I don't know, just stop sinning. Resist the devil and... He ain't say you got a chateau beauchamp, anoint some stuff. You ain't got to just resist him. That's it. And in there, he, he will flee. He will run away from you. Because he knows you finally figured it out. He knows you finally figured it out. You understand what I'm saying? No, you're like, oh, maybe I might sin again. Maybe I might do it again. I don't even know. It could be possible. And when he show up, like, Ooh, he might come to get me. This might be the time I fall again. you be like, hmm. I don't want that. Come with me. Satan say, no, I'm not going with you. You gonna go with me? Absolutely not. Uh-oh. <laughs> Let me get out of here because they figured me out. She figured out, he figured out that I have no control over them. They figured out that this is a waste of their time to be worried about me. And I'm not going to be standing around hovering around them. But as soon as they say, I'm not going with you. All right, let me get out of here because in a minute she's about to call some of the people. <laughs> More angels about to be on their way. Let me go. Some of y'all call pastor. Pastor, I, just, I, just, I need to hear your voice. I'm on my way. Me and the angel. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. He 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 get the message. Okay. She said she don't want to do with you. She said she ain't got time for you no more. Because he's trying to play with your head. Like you said that before. You said that before. So you call in other angels and troops. You call in some support. Hey, pastor, I don't, I don't, I feel funny. I feel some kind of way. I feel, you ain't going over there. She said she don't want to go with you. He said he ain't doing that no more. Now, we agree. That's touching. Now, now we are encouraged one to another. Now you got somebody going to battle with you, not pointing fingers at you. You see what I'm saying? And whatever part of you was unsure, if this going to be the time that you're free, you ain't sure, at, uh, uh, you're not unsure at that moment. Because you're looking at me and all the angels and you're feeling better. You're like, you know what? I think I can do this. I don't, I don't know. I just feel, you're always in the conversation with Pastor. I don't know. I just feel better when I'm going to talk. And I ain't do nothing but say one prayer. And it wasn't all, I know you think I'd be praying like, and Lord, go down. I don't even do that. It'd be so simple. It'd be short. Lord, bless them. I rebuke that spirit now in the name of Jesus. And then we start talking about something else. You'll be like, I just, I don't even know. I'll be like, yeah, go ahead and eat that cookie. Don't you feel better? It's all right. Don't worry about him. Right? But you expect something the pastor, you know. The demons will be, I'll be like, ah, I'm like, no, it's just real simple. We're going to make this one statement. He ain't doing that no more. She ain't bothered with you no more. And you got... 20 seconds before, before I turn this oxygen tank up. <laughs> you got 20 seconds before I turn this oxygen tank up. Time clock starting now. You got to see Kevin Hart's new comedy. That's a, it's pretty funny. Got 20 seconds. You give myself a boost and you're going to have to. That's, really, that's pretty much it. Because he sells noise. And you just keep it simple. If I resist you, you have to run. I know I'm resisting. Why are you still here? Are you trying to tell me this may not be true? I don't even know how to answer that. I'm about. 
Pastor, because sometimes I still be feeling like, uh-huh, uh-huh. But what do I do when I, uh-huh, mm-hmm. All right, Pastor, I'm going to call you back. The Lord said you better leave me alone. The Lord said he rebuke you in Jesus' name. You get all bold. But that's what we're supposed to do one to another. Do you understand? But you have to know the simplicity of the word. Not try to figure out all this demonology stuff. Pastor, can I take a class on demons? No. Don't take no class on demons. The decrees of God are declarations or pronouncements that he has made in working out his plan in the various ages. The Bible says that God causes all things to work together for good. The decrees of God are declarations or pronouncements that he has made in working out his plans throughout various ages. That's his, the decrees... He says stuff to show you the plan that he has throughout the ages. His decrees are not necessarily, I decree you heal. It's a nation he decrees heals. It's a nation he rises and falls. He decrees things that are in the ages, that go through the ages. You're going to die here, and then you're going to go to heaven, and then you're going to be resurrected. Okay, you're not going to just, it ain't about you, in short. His decrees are not for you personally, but they do personally affect you. Amen? Amen. All right, all right, all right. All right. So what, what is the point and purpose of words? We know that they have some use in communication. It's scientifically proven that you speak positive words. It tends to make you feel better. You speak positive words about going to an interview, you project more confidence. The interviewer recognizes your confidence and considers you more for the position. That's not mysticism. No. Do you understand? Yeah. Just, just human words. Yeah. All right? That's different. Now, what are we supposed to do with our words and the decrees that God gives us? Psalms 119, verses, 19, verses 9 through 16, excuse me. Psalms 119 verses 9 through 16. I'm going to read a couple points of it. You just highlighted it in your notes. He says, uh, the psalmist says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. Yes? There are words that we say that are important but they are important because they encourage our hearts. Remind our hearts of the things that God says. That I'll be, though I'll be with you always. You're decreeing that. I mean, you're declaring that. He already made a decree. You're restating it yeah. as, a, as a form of encouragement to yourself. Yeah. As a reminder. Does that make sense? Yeah. Not to get stuff. Not as a magic rabbit's foot. Amen. For real believers that aren't trying to sin or not trying to have control, we just felt like we just need to declare and decree it so that, you know, just in case we don't want nothing to happen and we fall away from our faith. You know, we want to stay on the up and up. That's pretty much, you know, kind of where it starts, right? All right, now what if I told you that not falling, number one, can happen? And that God has designed a way for you to have assurance that you won't fall. And it ain't declaring and decreeing. Declaring and decreeing, I declare I will never, I will never go through that again. No, 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 the words mean nothing. But there is a way 
if you just want some type of assurance that you won't fall back into sin or fall away from, from the faith. And what if I told you that that exists in scripture? Would you believe me? Let's go read it for ourselves and find out in context. All right. Verse 10 of 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll, we'll start there and then we'll go back and read it in context. Therefore, brothers, that therefore says you got to go back up, but let's just finish reading the text here. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never you will never fall or stumble. People say, Pastor, I'm just worried I might sin again. Well, what is you doing? What do you mean? What, what is you doing? Just declaring, no, Jesus is the lamb. No, just declaring stuff is not going to stop you because you keep telling yourself, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. What you going to do? Fall. Don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. What you going to do? Look. If you keep saying, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, all you're doing is keeping your sin very near you. You, 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 you trick your brain to think that you have a choice rather than solidifying. There is no choice for me. I'm not sinning. There's no choice. Right? All right. The Lord desires that you feel some level of assurance that you won't fall because that way y'all get to, to get along better. You understand? Like I would love you, Lord, but you know how I be. You know, I would go ahead, but you know how I be, you know, falling around sometimes. And so now you have so little confidence and your ability to stand that you don't really want to connect with God fully because you're afraid you might mess up again. Do you understand? And you know you can't take too much confidence in yourself because that's pride. But what do I do? Because it's also meaning that I can't fully love him without always feeling like I might disappoint again. Yes? This is bonus. This is bonus. Let's back up. Verse 5. For this very reason... Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep... Hello, somebody. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he, that he is blind, having forgotten that he was once cleansed from his former sins. You're so busy looking at what's right here that you're blind. And you don't even remember you've been cleansed from your former sins. What are the things he tells you to practice? For this very reason, make every effort to supplement. What's somebody else's verse say? Huh? Add to. Add to? All right, that word, add, that phrase, add to your faith, is the word supplement. Supplement means to enhance or to complete. All right? So if you want, like verse 10 says, any type of assurance or affirmation or confirming your calling, that you are supposed to be saved. Well, Emma, how do I know I'm really supposed to be saved? How do I know that God didn't harden my heart? This is how you will know. Do these things. Are you listening? Okay. First faith. I believe in Jesus. Check. All right. Now next, 
when your faith seems a little shaky, huh? Yeah. You either complete your faith or enhance your faith with what? Virtue. If your virtue seems uh, a little touch and go, like, should I really be doing it like this? Then you supplement or complete, right? Or enhance your virtue with knowledge. Aha, that's why I should do that. And if knowledge, you know, well, I mean, really, I know some stuff. Uh-uh, if that gets a little shaky, he says, then enhance or complete knowledge with self-control. Come on now. And if your self-control seems a little weak, hello, somebody, and it's a little, you know, I don't know if I can keep holding on this long. He says, when completed or enhanced with steadfastness. If your steadfastness is weak, you can't endure. He says, then enhance it with godliness. And if your godliness is, oh, you, I'm trying to be like God. Oh, this is so hard. If that gets a little weak in you, he says, then enhance that with what? Brotherly kindness. And if brotherly kind, he's like, I'm, I'm just, hi, good morning, hi, good morning. I'm tired of being brotherly kind. He says, and that gets weak sometimes. Then enhance and complete that with love. He gives you a roadmap to show, to show the things you should be working on. Yeah. And when those things get weak, what to work on, what to add to it, that it might be strengthened. When you do this, you will feel very sure of your calling and your election. And you will have some level of assurance that you won't sin. Not in your own abilities, but in the idea that in doing these things, you've seen fruit. And if I can do this, then surely I can withstand that. Standing all over the house. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. There's a method, there's a need, a need for words, but it's not to cover things. It's not some enchantment we say. Words are necessary, especially decrees and declarations of God, because they remind us of who he is. They humble us. Do you understand? Yes. Right? They teach us the way to go. They make things clear. In essence, we declare what God has already said. But us declaring it does not necessarily mean that it will happen because we said it. It only happens because he said it. And when it comes to words of prophecy, it happened because that's what he wanted. Not because you said it. You just participated. But you were not the cause of it. Do you understand? 